James Carmen writes, It is well known that during the Holocaust, inmates wrote music while incarcerated in concentration camps. Much of it has since been recorded at Theresienstadt, for instance, the infamous Paradise Ghetto, so-called. The Nazis organized an orchestra made up of young musicians who had studied under such luminaries as Leos Janáček and Arnold Schoenberg. Most of these musicians, among them promising students as Gideon Klein and Viktor Ullmann, perished during the Holocaust, leaving behind but a few pieces, composed under duress and co-opted by the Nazis for their own propaganda purposes. What might they have eventually accomplished had they survived? Such classical music, beautiful as it is, was the product of formerly trained musicians. What about the music of the common man, music embraced by the whole community and passed secretly by oral transmission, music that carried with it powerful words revealing different aspects of camp life or expressing the inmates' innermost feelings of mourning or resistance or patriotism? Was there other Holocaust music akin to the spirituals that sprang from slavery in America that spoke with the same startling immediacy to express the agony of the victims of the Nazi regime? It was this question that first led Maestro Donald McAuliffe on a year-long journey through one of the cruelest chapters of the 20th century. His quest began at the archives of the United States Holocaust Museum and resulted in the Holocaust Cantata. Carmen continues, I, for one, will never forget the moment when the premier performance ended. As often is the case when an audience has experienced a work of incomparable power and beauty, there was in the hall a moment of almost crystalline silence. Then, almost as one, we arose to acknowledge what we had heard. And what is this work, this Holocaust cantata, that, as with anything, is for each listener to decide? Maestro McCullough has told me on several occasions that he was never completely clear on his intent for undertaking the project, just as he remains unsure of its lasting impact. But one hope, he says, is that it may transform statistics into people in the minds of the cantata's listeners, and perhaps be a part of making it more difficult for such a horror ever to occur again. In the end for me, says Carmen, the work flows inexorably back to its source. It is the voice of humanity crying out to be heard. As early as the fall of 1940, we established a quartet that sang well-known and popular songs. Our repertory was not sophisticated, but in spite of that, as the days went by, the group of listeners became larger. Slowly but surely, it became accustomed to invite us to other barracks for secretly organized evening events. Our performances were often rewarded with treats, which was not a negligible form of compensation because the treats came from other inmates' rations. 
Among the thousands of men who lived in our camp, there were all sorts of talents to be found. And it wasn't long before other performers joined us in our evening events to gain a few moments of escape for themselves while providing a means for their comrades in misery to also escape. These performance events were unforgettable experiences. Favorite literary passages were often recited from memory, and of course, there was much singing. Needless to say, these events had an extraordinary psychological effect on all of us because they helped us overcome depression. And we were all well aware that depression unattended to brought inevitable death. Personally, I do not hesitate to say that I owe my life to those moments. I can honestly say that singing saved my life. A reading titled Singing Saved My Life from the Holocaust Cantata, Songs from the Camp by Donald McCullough. And the saving power of singing together will be celebrated this Tuesday, April 18th, Holocaust Remembrance Day at the Friedman Jewish Community Center in Kingston, right across the river from Wilkes-Barre. The haunting choral tribute to the six million Jews and millions of others who were systematically persecuted and murdered will be remembered there with the Arcadia Chorale under the direction of Matthew Rupsich. Matthew Rupsich, music director and conductor of the Arcadia Chorale, and Gary Bernstein, executive director of the Friedman Jewish Community Center, paid a visit to the WVIA studios to talk with us about the commemorative event and how it came to be. Matthew Rupsich. As I started planning for this season, I wanted to again expose Arcadia Chorale to different repertoire and to different performance settings and to different groups of people to get to know who Arcadia is and what we're about, especially in this area. And I knew of this piece, The Holocaust Cantata by David McCullough, and I wanted to bring this to Arcadia at some point. So I started reaching out to different organizations and I contacted Gary at the Friedman Jewish Center and he was very interested in pursuing this partnership for this concert. Gary, what a center this is. It's still a wonderful new addition to the community. Introduce us to it. Yes, indeed. Uh, in 2019 is when the new Friedman Jewish Community Center opened. They moved from downtown Wilkes-Barre on River Street and uh, what a move it was. Um, a beautiful, beautiful new facility. We'll even look spanking new even today. And community is our middle name. And we really embrace that. And we love having programs like the Arcadia Chorale and others that come in so we can all celebrate different faiths, uh, very much into diversity at the Jewish Community Center. And a lot of people ask, do you have to be Jewish to join the JCC? And of course, the answer is no. We welcome, we welcome everyone. And what kind of a facility do you have that can showcase a remarkable chorale like the Arcadia? Well, we have a beautiful Cohen Auditorium, and uh, that's where the concert will be held. And uh, it'll be on Tuesday night, April 18th. And uh, we're just so much looking forward to uh, welcoming Matthew and, and the chorale into the JCC and opening it up to the entire community. And this happens to be a very special time of year and just right for this event. Well, I, I think for this particular concert, you know, it's all about remembrance and recounting. Oh, throughout the nation, Jewish communities often recognize and organize these type of events for Holocaust uh, Remembrance Day with solemn services, prayers, and vigils on this date. 
Schools may even show films about the Holocaust and invite the few remaining living survivors or their descendants to tell their stories of survival to classes. Other Yom HaShoah ceremonies can include readings of the names of victims, fasting, and planting of trees or flowers. And in the temples or synagogues, a special prayer is read for this occasion, and memorial candles are lit while the Kaddish, which is a Jewish prayer for those who have passed, is spoken. So this is a little bit different than we normally would do, and that's why we're so thrilled to have Matthew and the Arcadia Chorale helping us with Holocaust Remembrance Day. And it's important, I, I appreciate when our discussions, also with Rabbi Kaplan at Temple Israel, that we wanted to do a small service prior to the performance of the work. So we're going to take about 10 or 15 minutes to do the things that uh, Gary mentioned with the prayer and some readings, and then we'll move into the Holocaust Cantata performance. So I, I think that is wise, smart, and appropriate to do. I really do. In this instance, tell us about the genesis of the work itself. How did this work come about? Sure. So the Master Chorale, under the direction of uh, Donald McAuliffe, he is in Washington, D.C., and he spent a year at the Holocaust Museum in the Alexander Kosilowitz collection. And within that collection, Mr. Kosilowitz, what he did is post-World War II, went to the different camps to collect articles, primary sources from these camps that focused on poetry and music. And what's stunning about this particular work, the Holocaust Cantata, is that it's all based on primary sources from these camps. So the melodies, the text, everything has come from a prisoner or someone who has passed from the Nazi concentration camps. And so it's the piece is incredibly moving, it's very stirring, and it took uh, Donald McAuliffe a year to put it together. And uh, so he composed it in 98, and it was premiered by the Washington Chorale in that same year at the Kennedy Center uh, for the Performing Arts. And then it was published two years later in 2000. I've done the work a couple times with some different ensembles. This is my second time bringing it to this area, but I'm really I'm excited for this journey that Arcadia has, has gone on to, to do this work. It should be noted that also the, the text of the piece, all the texts were written in Polish, and they have been translated carefully by, by Denny Clark. It should be noted that the, the cantata is about 40, 45 minutes long, and there's no, there is no story or no arc through the piece. Each movement, whether it is sung or read, which I'll talk about in a minute, are all sort of independent works, independent pieces, ind independent reflections based on a prisoner's experience within, uh, within the camps. So the, the piece has 13 movements, and in between each movement is a reading. And the readings will be done. What I, I'm excited about is through uh, different worship leaders throughout the community have come together that are going to be doing the, the readings, which I'm really excited about. But there, of course, since this is a, a cantata, it's a musical work. So the readings, the first reading is called Singing Saved My Life. So it talks about an individual who needed song within their heart to, to, keep, them going, um, to keep them going on. Another reading is The Execution of the Twelve, which is a very difficult reading, as you can imagine, dramatic. 
Another one is a state of separation. This this reading is interesting because it talks about how the intelligentsia of Poland was separated from mainstream and how millions of intelligent, let's say, academics and musicians and, and people of authority were, were slaughtered. And that, that's a tribute to them. There is another one uh, talking about singing from birth to death from a male. There's a an interesting kind of lighthearted narration talking about there's no life like life at Auschwitz. So there is some lightheartedness in this. There's actually one movement is for piano and cello, and it's called a tango, which is interesting, which was written again by a prisoner there. And then one of the most moving readings is near the end is called Letter to Mom. And it's a, a farewell letter from a loved one to to another of the anticipation of loss and the horror that they are going through. The piece is scored for SATB chorus, so soprano, alto, tenor, bass, choir, piano. And we're lucky we have Tsukasa Waltich, who is our accompanist, who'll be joining us. It's also scored for cello and Gail Claver, who has played with the chorale numerous times for different events, will be our cellist. The piece also calls for a baritone soloist that has a, a pretty large role in. I'm happy to introduce Eric Tufta to this area. He is getting his artist diploma at the Curtis Institute in Philadelphia, so he'll be coming up. And our two, our soprano soloist and uh, mezzo soloist will be coming from the chorale. What about the piano, Gary? You have a piano as part of this new, wonderful center? <laughs> of course. We're very fortunate to have a very, very beautiful grand piano. Steinway Grand. Yeah, we're lucky. Well-maintained, and it'll be very useful for us for this performance. I mentioned the piano just then, but what about the performers? What about the singers? How are they handling the preparations? I let them know, obviously, in the beginning of the season that we were doing this. And I asked them to spend some time with it on their own. Because it is a highly charged emotional work, a couple of things that I give a permission to for my singers. Um, even last week when we were working, I said, you know, we're all going to react differently to this at different times, depending upon how we feel that day. And if you need to take a moment to step out, if you need to let your emotions um, come out, you are welcome to do so. Um, we have to allow that in this because there's a lot of pain in this piece, but there's also, I, I wouldn't necessarily say hope, but I would say that there is a lot of resiliency in this piece. And you hear that in the text and the words of, of the individuals who, who compose these pieces. So I, I can understand of some people not wanting to necessarily hear and, and see this right away, but I, promise you next week it'll be a very stirring moment for us here. And, you know, I guess the big question is, what is Yom HaShoah? And uh, it's really known as Holocaust Remembrance Day in English, and Yom HaShoah commemorates the lives of the six million Jews who perished in the Holocaust between 1933 and 1945. In fact, established in 1951, in Israel, the anniversary of the Warsaw Ghetto Uprising is observed, in, usually in April or May, depending upon the, the Jewish calendar. But what's also interesting is when you talk about never forgetting, there was a speech done in 2021 by Secretary of State Anthony Blinken. He quotes what was written by an Auschwitz survivor after the Jews were locked in a gas chamber with only three minutes to live. The survivor had said that in those final minutes, they found enough strength 
to dig their fingernails into the walls and scratch into the words, never forget. Through establishing days of remembrance, we will never forget, ever, ever forget. It's so important as a leader, I'll say within the musical community here in Northeast Pennsylvania, I want to bring experiences that are authentic and real to to the community as well as to my singers. And these are stories that need to be told. These are stories about people, about families, about loved ones who suffered who suffered terribly. They need they and their families and the religion I'll say the religious community, the Jewish community, they need to know that they themselves are not the only ones that have to remember this. That it's up to everyone in a wider community to understand and support and lift up now and also during Holocaust Remembrance Day to do pieces like this, especially as as we talked about earlier, these are primary sources. So these are these are facts of the of the atrocities that happened to these incredible people. And uh, we must never forget, and we must always tell these stories so that our, our children, I'll even say our students, our children, and our loved ones in our community know that these things have happened. And it's our role and responsibility to do works like this to remind people we should never let it happen again. Absolutely. The, the Freedman Jewish Community Center and the Arcadia Chorale, we worked very hard in planning and organizing this event, but it really wouldn't take place without some major support, major sponsors. So besides the Freedman Jewish Community Center or Arcadia Chorale, we were lucky to engage the three synagogues and temples in our community, Temple Israel, the conservative synagogue, Temple B'nai B'rith, the reform synagogue, and um, O.F. Sedek, the orthodox synagogue. And we were also lucky to get some funding from the Wyoming Valley Interfaith Council. And lastly, the Jewish Community Center Association, which is our parent body in New York, has provided us with a grant uh, in their Israel Engagement Fund. So between all these different organizations, we're able to bring this program free to the community. And that list, I almost get emotional about it because again it's it's individuals and institutions stepping up to understand the importance of this and how we have to tell these stories it's very moving can you give us some words from the work sure what i would like to share with you is the one movement that i think is very dramatic is called uh, movement seven it's called the train and so you hear the the rumbling of the train moving through the piano accompaniment, how it's written, as well as through how the cello is playing. And you hear this tune, da 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 dee da dee da dee da 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 dee da dee And so it's that movement, da 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 dee You feel the wheel, the wheels moving on the train track. And the baritone opens up this movement, um, stating, already rolling, puffing, and blowing. Hear the clattering take her away, eyes last meet, gazing, hand gestures, waving, unspoken, silent, and sorrow. And it ends, the dark hours upon them, their fate is sealed, I must forget you, farewell, my love. And it's, it's again, very powerful, so you hear this push, you hear this rush uh, of the train, but what's interesting is at the end of the movement, how harmonically Mr. McCullough sets it up, it's, it's harmonically set as a train whistle. So you hear the chorale come in of doing these whistles, 
And then at the end, where we were, we're all saying, farewell, my love, remember me. The me is on a unison D. It's really strong. Everyone is singing it. And the piano is tremoloing, meaning shaking, you know, doing a, a quick, quick play on, on the piano. But the cello ends on a high B flat. And that's the last train whistle. And that's how that particular movement ends. It's very moving and somewhat difficult to uh, sing. The ending of The Train from the Holocaust Cantata of Donald McCulloch, performed there by the Master Chorale of Washington Chamber Singers with Miriam Bolkowski, the cellist, and Robert Lamar Sims, the pianist. We have had a conversation with Matthew Rupsich, music director and conductor of the Arcadia Chorale, and Gary Bernstein, executive director of the Friedman Jewish Community Center in Kingston, just across the river from Wilkes-Barre. They've been speaking with us about a special event, a Holocaust Remembrance Concert this Tuesday, April 18th at 7.30 p.m. at the Friedman Jewish Community Center, and that's in Kingston. The concert is free. They'd like you to make a reservation if you would, and it's area code 570-824-4646, 824-4646. Area code 570. We know from Matthew Rupsich that cellist Gail Kleber will be performing that remarkable train whistle there and more. And Eric Tofta is the guest baritone. And Tsukasa Waltich will be the pianist. The event will take place on Tuesday, April 18th at 7.30 p.m. at the Friedman Jewish Community Center, 613 S.J. Strauss Lane in Kingston, just across the river from Wilkes-Barre, sung in English, and again, it is free. For more information on the web, arcadiachorale.org, arcadiachorale.org, A-R-C-A-D-I-A, chorale.org. <laughs>